Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com. Hey, we're coming here with another great podcast. Oh, my gosh. We're going to be covering some really cool stuff here. Be sure to give us a like, subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit that bell notification at youtube.com forward slash Chris Voss. Be sure to subscribe to the show. You can subscribe to the other six podcasts we do at thecvpn.com or chrisvosspodcastnetwork.com. And we certainly appreciate you guys being here today. We're going to be uh, covering the show FabTech 2019. This is going to be a really amazing show that they take and have every year in Chicago, Illinois. It's North America's largest metal forming fabricating, welding, and finishing event. Now, this is really cool because we're going to be talking about some stuff you're probably like right now going, what? Metal forming? We're going to be talking about robots, technology, all sorts of really cool stuff. And uh, we've got a really cool company to talk to with here. Uh, it's Universal Robots. These guys are based out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. And we're going to be talking in with Joe Campbell. They're going to be at Fabtech Booth B. 35083. So if you're at the show Fabtech uh, when this airs, be sure to check them out. Go to their booth. Say, hey, Chris Foss sent me down. Uh, Joe is the head of marketing for this company. How you doing, Joe? Welcome. Chris, thanks for having me. I'm having a great day. Awesome sauce. So you guys got some really cool things going on. You're the head of marketing at universal-robots.com. So you guys can look this up. Uh, you know, when people say manufacturing, we talked about this on the pre-show, people kind of think, you know, like, well, U.S. Steel, you know, these old sort of plants, but you guys are in the highly, highly, highly technical, innovative field of robots, even co-robots. We'll get into what that means here in a second, but welcome to the show. Uh, tell us who you are, what, what, what brings you to this, and what got you involved with uh, Universal Robots? Well, I've been with Universal for just a little bit over a year. However, I've got about 40 years in the automation industry. Uh, I've been selling, marketing, and managing robots and robot projects for just about my entire career. And I will say that Universal is a very, very different place than the traditional automation companies. Uh, as you mentioned, it's, uh, we make a collaborative robot. And for those who have not heard that term, collaborative means uh, with the proper safety protocols, our robots can work literally side by side with human operators. Uh, on an assembly or processing line. And I need, that I need is, a few uh, of those to work alongside me in the podcast. I need one to be like running the camera and that's, stuff like that. That's, there's people doing all of that right now. So it's, they call uh, it a collaborative robots cobots, which is pretty interesting. I learned something new today. There's cobots that are out there. That's a, that is that is the uh, that is the slang term for uh, collaborative robots. Do do uh, robots appreciate that slang? I mean, is that a, cool? A, with them? Oh, apparently, because this particular segment is the fastest growing segment in factory automation, it is uh, it is really projected to continue that growth for for years and years and years to come. So it's an exciting place to be. Awesome sauce, because when Skynet takes over and robots become self aware. We don't want them angry at us because we were slaying the whole time. Because I probably, have not seen the new Terminator movie, so I can't speak to that. <laughs> I need to play some Terminator music. And dun, dun, dun. Um, so you guys uh, at Universal Robots, what do you guys do? How do you guys do it there? Well, we, we actually build a, uh, a family of standard robot products. Um, and uh, we're not very uh, creative in our naming convention. Uh, we call them the UR... Uh, three, UR5, UR10, and UR16. 
Uh, UR, obviously, for universal robots. Uh, 3, 5, 10, and 16 refers to their payload capacity in kilograms. So these are mostly small robots. Mm-hmm. So they're uh, so they're not the giant ones. Maybe I'd see at a car manufacturing place that are you know putting the cars together. They're kind of uh, when you say smaller, can you give me an idea on scale? Yeah, these are these have roughly a you know a one one meter reach, one and a half meter reach, uh, three foot, four foot. So they're they're fairly small. Okay. You will find them in automotive plants, but you just okay. won't find them carrying really ultra heavy payloads. So I'd have a better chance of arm wrestling one of these then. You uh, actually, you can't arm wrestle it because if uh, it makes contact with your arm, it shuts itself off. Oh, okay. Well, that's right? good. And that's part of the safety protocol. That's good. You know, I need a robot this. I need a robot for a lot of stuff. I could use a robot for the boom. You know, it brings the mic in to me. Then I can have one for, you know, serving me beer or something. That's what I definitely need here at the house is a beer robot. Yeah, I'll let you sell that at home. That's going to be a tough sell. <laughs> uh, but no, so you guys help these manufacturers. Now, why is there a need for this? What's going on in our economy? What's going on out there in the world that these are, are something that are in demand? Well, I think there's a, a number of drivers. Uh, first of all, recognize robots have been around for a long, long time, right? We've been, we've, the industries was established back in the late 60s and, and continues today. Um, the typical drivers have been to improve efficiency and improve quality. Um, and there are certain tasks that you just can't do as, uh, as a human. Um, the biggest driver today, though, is this really significant shortage of labor in the manufacturing community. Um, I'm fortunate I get to travel around the U.S. and I speak to, uh, to groups wide and far. I talk to a lot of plant managers and, and CEOs and uh, owners, and universally, they are struggling to hire people to work in their manufacturing plants. Um, and it has really become a significant problem. Wow. So today, uh, I think automation is being deployed to kind of solve this labor shortage. Um, Which is really wild. I know that our economy is humming along. I know there's a lot of demand for uh, uh, employees. But it's because manufacturing kind of has a sort of stigma of, you know, a lot of sweat and, you know, the sweaty, burly guys that I used to see going to like Geneva Steel, U.S. Steel back in the day. Um, well, you, you know, yep. You see two things, two big drivers. Uh, the first is demographic. Um, I'm part of the problem. I'm a baby boomer. Mm-hmm. And my counterparts are retiring at the rate of 10,000 per day. Wow. Uh, right now, 27% of the U.S. manufacturing workforce is 55 years or older. That means in 10 years, we're going to have to find 27% of the manufacturing workforce uh, to replace these skilled workers that are retiring. Right? Mm-hmm. So that is a, a really significant challenge. I think the second thing is the younger generations, um, not to disparage anybody in particular, but but really none of the younger generations are interested in working the dull, dirty, or dangerous manufacturing jobs. Yeah. It, it it's kinda, no it, surprise. Yeah. But, but it's interesting nowadays. I mean, this is what I'm seeing a lot of the pictures from Fabtech and different things. The world's really changing. It's not these dirty floor, uh, you know, steel smelting, you know, we've got iron pouring out of smelting units and, you know, ash coming everywhere and you come home covered in dirt. Uh, it, you know, most of the manufacturing, I, I, well, I don't know if most is the proper word, but a lot of manufacturing nowadays is, is highly technical. And it is, uh, it is. And, but, 
It is, absolutely. However, if you particularly look at the Fabtech por portfolio, um, you know, metal fabrication is still one of the one of the most challenging manufacturing tasks, whether you're welding or or cutting, um, machining, uh, bending, any of those any of those metal fab processes. And so it's a it's a great place for automation. Uh, again, the our adage is let's go look for the dull, dirty, and dangerous task and automate it. And let's take our skilled operators and move them into more value-added tasks, move them up the food chain. Yeah. I need some robots for my bathroom, for cleaning my bathroom, because that's a dirty we, So we've gone from pouring beer to cleaning your bathroom. This is really going to be a tough sell. I need some robots, man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, so you guys uh, have got all these uh, really cool robots. You build them. You uh, deal with the co-robots that are easy to program, fast to deploy, and safe to use. They solve your labor issues and manufacturing operations at companies of all size. You guys also do free online training. Uh, yeah, people yep. in your academy. Yep, we have an online academy. It's uh, a little, little less than two hours. You can work your way through nine modules, and uh, it is, uh, it is very, very successful. Uh, to date, I believe we've had over seventy-three thousand people trained um, in the UR Academy, and uh, in many cases, that is the only formal training that uh, they're uh, required. So they don't have to go to college for four years and no. you know get a technical MIT degree. <laughs> no, we have <laughs> we have gr we have great success recruiting intelligent people right in the manufacturing side mm -hmm. who are working hands on in the process and turning them into robot programmers and operators. And if you're a millennial Gen Z right now, I'm watching uh, their website, and I mean they're working with kind of tablet ipad-ish sort of looking devices they're programming it you guys put them through uh a uh whole course uh to become programmers integrators i imagine is repair some of this work could be absolutely could be. although yeah. this stuff is uh is very very reliable but yeah uh, but yeah there's definite repair function there i, repair, I think the other the other place. thing that we see is when when manufacturing companies start to deploy uh, automation and particularly uh, collaborative robot automation, mm -hmm. it, the image uh, uh, of the company improves significantly. It now becomes a much more interesting place to work because you're you're interviewing not for a dull, dirty, or dangerous job. You're interviewing to really work side by side and operate the robots. Yeah. And uh, basically, I mean, it's plug and play products, certified compatible. Uh, you're looking with software. I mean, if you're someone who can't afford to go to Silicon Valley, and <laughs> I don't know anybody that can afford that, actually. I've got Not friends anymore. living in cars there. Um, and, uh, I mean, there's there's Berkeley professors living in cars that, that work for Berkeley College. That's just crazy to me. Uh, and it's just insane. It, and it doesn't seem to be getting any better up there. Uh, no. But this is certainly a way, I mean, you know, it, it kind of strikes me that we have all these people that are supposed to be living uh, in middle America, you know, hear about Michigan and different places. A lot of the people left behind from the car industry. Uh, man, you wish they, that, that somehow there was a way we could get these jobs out to them or we could move them to where these jobs are. Because, uh, you know, what you're telling me is they, is they can very easily learn this sort of business. And what's the pay like for this sort of industry? Well, it's like any other manufacturing profession. Right? Mm -hmm. It's 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 very well paid.
Yeah. Um, I, I think that's uh, I think that's really been one of the one of the key points for the success of the Midwest is uh, the manufacturing community. And if I, I think if I didn't have my business, I would go into a technical field. I need, I I tried computer programming, and I I just can't do code. I'm just not a coder. Yeah. And so, uh, but this sort of field seems like it would be not only highly specialized, but something that doesn't, you know, wouldn't have, you know, everybody and their dog in it competing with you for it. So that would give you a leg up, especially on the future advancements of technology, automation. I mean, there's just going to be more of this stuff going on, especially with, you know, cars becoming more automated. Um, you know, a lot of people think we're going to be out of jobs, but my friends like Robert Scoble, who are, um, you know, tech prophets and gods in the tech business, you know, they, they're still humans that are going to have to program this stuff, work on it, repair it, uh, design it, uh, all that sort of stuff in the applicable yeah. nature of it. And so, Chris, I can, I can tell you, you're absolutely spot on. The, mm -hmm. the, the issue today is, uh, is certainly not robots taking jobs. Mm -hmm. uh, robots are absolutely saving jobs. I'll give you yeah. a couple data points and one, one anecdotal point. Right now, there's over one half million open, unfilled manufacturing jobs in America. That's not my statistic. That's the wow. Bureau of Labor and Statistics. Wow. Right. Hiring is listed by manufacturing companies, executive level, on a survey done by the National Association of Manufacturing. Hiring is the number one challenge they all report. Wow. So it is a big deal, and it's projected to get bigger. And that just means they're going to be paying a lot of money to get you to hire. I mean, I've, I've been through those series with the businesses that we've owned where you can't yep. hire the people because it gets so competitive and you have to start jacking the price. Recently, uh, uh, Bank of America says they're going to start paying people 20 bucks an hour uh, starting yeah. out in 2020. I mean, this is what's happening with these things. But this seems like a really highly technical market. And one of the problems we've had is the loss of manufacturing jobs or the perceived loss of manufacturing jobs in the old world. And, um, you know, now we've become the service-based industry where, hey, you want a job? You can go get a job for 10 bucks an hour, 15 bucks an hour at Subway making sandwiches. This seems like a job that would really be great for uh, a hold on the future, something where you could design because you worked in this field for 40 years. So you've probably seen, you know, it go through all of its iterations, right? Yeah, I think the big the big change that we're seeing today is, uh, you know, the, previously the requirement to deploy automation is you had to be an engineer, mm -hmm. uh, preferably a robotics engineer. You had to be a programmer. Mm -hmm. um, but what, what Universal has done is really changed the whole paradigm of how you apply automation. We've completely simplified the application of the product and the programming of the product. We've simplified the engineering required to interface peripherals like grippers and even vision systems. Mm -hmm. And because of that, right, we're stripping out all this cost and complexity of the project so we can deploy automation very, very quickly with a very, very good ROI. And that's catching the attention of manufacturers, big and small. Again, mm -hmm. look at where they are. They're pinched with a labor crisis. They can't find enough people to work in their factories. And if we can come in and show them a cost-effective way to quickly deploy automation with low risk and a quick payback, it's a great formula. That's freaking awesome. I mean, and this field just has tons of sky, you know, uh, tons of range to take and go. Uh, so I, you know, I, in fact, I just came with the idea. I shouldn't have like a side po uh, podcast co-host because I've been having problems, you know, always getting a co-host. I should get a robot co-host. 
then they'll always yeah. show up. They don't talk. They don't. They don't. They don't talk so good. That's kind of the problem. I'll just. What I'll do is I'll just learn ventriloquism, and then I'll, or then I can, or I can edit and post. There you go. That'll work. I'll just learn ventriloquism. How's it going? Eh? <laughs> Then we could do robot jokes. That'll be funny. So uh, moving on, let's talk about what you guys are doing there at FabTech. FabTech is going to be a huge show. Uh, I guess you, you guys are going to have a booth there talking to people and sharing it. What are some of yep. the things you're premiering at the show and covering, and, and what are some of the reasons why people should definitely drop by your guys' booth? Well, so let's, let's go take a half a step back first. Okay. So the number one application in the robotics industry is material handling specifically loading and unloading machines. Mm -hmm. And that is a great example because it's one of those dull jobs that nobody wants to do. I mean, really, do you want to stand in front of a machine tool all day and put parts in and take parts out, put parts in and take parts out? It's not very exciting. Yeah. So we're going to be, we'll, every place we go where there's any kind of manufacturing, we always show some type of machine tending, machine loading application. Mm -hmm. At this show, we're going to have a couple of really interesting things, though, because now we're doing collaborative arc welding. Oh, wow. And again, historically, I mean, robots have been doing arc welding for a long time. Yeah. But they've been the traditional, you know, traditional automation, hard safety caging, can't work next to people. And in this case, we're actually showing collaborative, collaborative arc welding robots, very easy to program, quick to deploy. And uh, they'll be in our booth and uh, throughout the show. Nice. So I man. think that part is very, very exciting. Yeah, I used to when I went to high school, I actually took welding because I grew up in the age where they get they they said you you've got to learn leather shop, wood shop, and metal because that's your future. <laughs> Sorry, still waiting for that all to kick in. But one of the thing classes that I ended up taking because I was just slumming through high school was um, welding. And uh, welding was kind of fun, but man, I tell you, if you're ever weld, I used to have these, these, uh, Adidas shoes that had kind of like a mesh top to them. That man, doesn't work those, so well, does it? <laughs> yeah. When one of those hot embers fell into that shoe, man, there was like a dance you'd end up doing like, Oh, geez. Or, well, or, this is, this is, uh, this is one of the areas that's really difficult right mm -hmm. now. There's an estimated shortage of skilled welders somewhere in the 75 to 85,000 range. Wow. That's a lot of welders that are because they get tired of having their toes burn. <laughs> well, the toes burn, and then frankly, put your head under a helmet all day. It's oh, yeah. it's, it's difficult work. It really is difficult. Yeah. I've work. had the yeah. eye burn too because you didn't you you're wandering around the shop and you didn't put your thing on. You looked over and saw some welding stuff, and you're like, "Yeah, oh, it'll be fine." Then that night, you're like, "Your eyes are melting." Yeah, so I think I think welding's been a great place for automation for a long time, and I think what we're going to show at FabTech is taking it to a whole different level. Yeah, and I think it's cool that this is really becoming a technical thing. You guys should just, I think what they should do is take manufacturing and just rename it something else, like, I don't know, something that's Gen Z. -er. See, I think, if, I think if you took most of these robots and attached, like, an iPhone to them, you know, so that they'd be, like, watching the screen, maybe maybe integrated uh, robotic manufacturing with Instagram somehow. I don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, uh, you're not, you listen, you're not, you're not far off the mark. One of the, uh, one of the products that's uh, built around the universal robot at the show is actually programmed and controlled from an iPhone. There you go. There you right? go. And in our, our, uh, we think our 
interface is extremely easy to understand. We basically say, if you can handle an iPhone, you can handle our robot. But this company took it one step further, and they literally do all their programming through a phone. That is awesome, man. That is awesome. The future. This is going to be a cool show to see because uh, we've always talked about this, this turning of the age, the turning of the page, where we're going from the society where, uh, you know, largely we used to be a manufacturing society. I mean, that was what we were really about. And I remember in the 80s going through that change where people, you know, were like, wait, we don't get a job for life anymore with a gold watch at the end. Uh, things are becoming more more uh uh what's the right word more um transient transient mm -hmm. um and uh you know uh and and you know we a lot of my uh friends who are tech uh, innovators tech news people and stuff we always talked about how we're gonna have to go through this economic segment we're kind of seeing that right now in our politics and everything else and and how people are you know uh it, have issues with jobs and they're going from a transition where they used to work in the old manufacturing stuff and they're not skilled labor for some of this new stuff. And so it's really great that you guys have this where this transition can be much more easy to learn and adapt to where you don't have to go get an engineering degree or, yeah, it's, degree uh, or learn to yep. code. I think the other thing, I think the other thing for people to remember is, uh, you know, as a society, we've gone through these transitions mm -hmm. forever. Right? Yeah. And they're not black and white transitions. Mm -hmm. There's a couple politicians who are, you know, speaking about the, you know, the, the robots taking all the jobs yeah. and we're going to have millions of people out of work next week. It's not going to happen that way. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the challenge I think is for our, our, our leadership and our government to help make sure that we don't leave people behind. Yeah. I remember That's, it. And the other thing too, is that, is the other thing too, is that as businesses become more efficient and more cost efficient, they don't necessarily always go, Hey, we need to lay off more people. They just become bigger businesses that hire more people. Um, no. I remember our mortgage company back in the day. Uh, you know, we, this is back, uh, this is back when telemarketing was much larger uh, and legitimate telemarketing. Let's put it that way. Cause everyone's robotized now. Don't hate mm -hmm. me for that. That's not mine thing but uh back in the day we had telemarketing that would generate leads for our mortgage company uh, and of course we you know we were having trouble just scaling it and making it cost efficient and profitable uh we were a very small company at the time and then we got a robo dialer a uh, big giant cedar um dialer and of course it complied with all the rules of the ftc uh but uh and they do not call us but as we built that out and we spent all the money for that, it automated the systems, made us much more profitable, and we exploded as a company in hiring more people. And so, uh, you know, like you say, there's that discussion of like, well, they're going to take our jobs. They're actually not. They're going to, as companies become more uh, efficient, they're going to get bigger, hire more people because they're going to have to oversee these robots and yada, yada, yada. That there it becomes scalable as it becomes more profitable. Well, and I think what we see is, uh, you know, again, I've been in the automation business for a long, long time. You know, we've traditionally sold to larger companies because larger companies had the wherewithal to have a big engineering department, maybe a couple of robotics specialists, et cetera. What mm -hmm. we're doing now is we're bringing this very incremental, easy to deploy automation into small and medium enterprises. Mm -hmm. And it is really making a change. These These are places that prior to this era have never been automated because yeah. it just didn't make economic sense. 
Yeah, I mean, it didn't. It you know the the ability for a small company to move into this field is like we don't have that kind of money, man. No, and I'll tell you the 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 very first customer I met when I joined Universal Robots was a, a man who owned a small contract machine shop outside of Dallas, and he had 16 employees. Wow. And he was struggling to hire and to keep people. He was struggling to grow his business. The only way he could get his business to grow is he personally had to put in way too many hours. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was looking for a solution because he knew what he was doing was not sustainable. A long story short, he, he found Universal. He bought one of our robots. Within a month, he had it figured out. And again, he's not a robot programmer. He's a machinist. Mm-hmm. So he goes straight into your trading program. Yep. He went online. He, he figured out how to get it to work. He got it installed and the payback was just totally impressive. He was doing jobs in less turnaround time than he ever had. Mm -hmm. So flash forward, here's this little bitty machine shop, right? 16 people. He's now 22 people. He's got nine robots. He's making more profit than he ever has. He's taking larger orders than he could before because he can process them. Yep. And process so it's it's just it's just that incremental success story yeah. that is getting replayed over and over and over again. And to me, if I was you know someone, you know, there's there's I mean I I have some uh, Gen Z or uh, friends and relatives that the kids don't want to go to college. They don't want to learn. Uh, you know, they don't want to go do the whole four year degree and get five million dollars in debt. I mean, to me, this seems like a great way, um, you know, beside coding, uh, to take in, not everyone can code, I can't, I can't even deal with coding. Um, I suck at math. Um, but this is a great way to get a future, uh, a foothold in a future business that's just going to scale and grow. Uh, this is the future as far as it, we can see it right now. It is. And again, we've, we've made the, the, programming interface and the application tools for the for the basic applications mm-hmm. we can do we can do more complex things but for the basic applications i guarantee you i could teach you how to be a robot programmer i want to be a robot i'm going to get a robot co-host. You gotta, you, we're going to do it we're going to do it i can see it coming as <laughs> for the show what if the what but what if it puts me out of a job though what if the co-host takes over and becomes more popular than me no i'm just you got to be you got to have the creativity no, you know what I'll do? I'll just unplug the robot. If it <laughs> I'll be like, yeah, um, kick that cord. Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, the robot's, the robot's down. Yeah, robot's sick. Yeah. Yep. Put that robot there you away. go. Anyway, uh, no, this is going to be awesome. You guys can check this out. You can go to universal-robots.com. You can see them at Fabtech. Uh, if you check out the show there in Chicago, uh, they're going to be at booth number B. Three five zero eight three. Joe, it's been wonderful to have you. Anything more we should know about what you guys are doing there at the Fabtech Show? I think the last message I'd like to leave your audience with is: if you're going to come to the show, we really want you to come by the booth, not just to look at the the shiny bright lights and everything, but I want you to come by the booth and I want you to be able to pick up a teach pendant and see how easy it is to apply. Uh, collaborative robot automation from Universal. It really is uh, an eye opener. It's that easy. Wow. Yep. Damn. I, I'm you're you're making me think. I'm I'm thinking maybe I should quit my job. 
<laughs> come to Chicago. <laughs> then I'll just get a co-host. But yeah, we'll be covering it in Chicago. This is going to be awesome. So everyone, be sure to check it out. And if you're not at the show, you can go to universal-robots.com. And you can, of course, contact all the folks over there. You can see some of their wonderful use cases they have. They have some really cool cases here from uh, Bajaja Auto. Uh, Continental, you probably heard of them. The big, uh, I think they do a lot more, but uh, they know they do tires. Uh, Task Force Tips, Trellborg, they've got a whole mess of uh, case stories and studies you can take and get into and all the different applications they use. I, I'm really excited about this. This is a really burgeoning field, and, and a lot of my tech journalists, we talk about this, you know, this kind of curve that we have to go through. But wow, this is a, this is a definitely a quick ramp up from the U curve because. Uh, it doesn't have the same sort of learning curve that you would have to, you know, be an engineer. Yeah, um, and that's why this segment is the fastest growing segment in factory automation. Really? Wow. Yep. There, bye, there bye. you go. The future is here, people. <laughs> come on, see it. Come on yeah, and see it. Definitely come see it. All right, guys. Well, we certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. Be sure to give us a like, subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, follow us on Spotify, on iHeartRadio, on iTunes, Google Play. Tell your friends, neighbors, relatives, everybody to subscribe to the show. We certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. Be sure to also, if you can, give the show a nice referral. Uh, go on to iTunes and tell us what you think of the show and all that good stuff. Appreciate you tuning in. Go see these folks at Fabtech. We'll see more coverage of the show as it goes on and we'll see you guys next time.